Come on. Time is right. Time is now. Welcome to Lifeblood Be Well and welcome our guest, strong and powerful Catherine Burmeister. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for having me, George. I'm excited to have you on. Catherine is an author. She's a speaker, an attorney, helping people break their addiction to the norm. Her new book, Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo, is available now. Catherine, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, so born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, so that's where I've been for a while now. Um, but yeah, I was an only child, am an only child, I guess is still the case, and early on in my life realized that I really had a passion for helping others. Um, I've always been an avid reader, so in middle school, I think it's about the time you read um, Letter from a Birmingham Jail and To Kill a Mockingbird, and those two pieces really resonated with me. Um the idea from the letter from Birmingham jail, obviously MLK was not a lawyer, but the idea that of just and unjust laws. And then of course, to kill a mockingbird, the idea of Atticus Finch standing up against the, um, obvious very white, uh, norm in society there. So really using the law to fight unjust laws re- resonated with me. And so from that point on, having never been exposed to the law, uh, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer in middle school and just backtrack from there. So from that point on, I just started exposing myself to different law firms, different sizes, and ended up getting into law school down here um, in Georgia. And I, my third year, I was able to work with a personal injury law firm. And it worked on the plaintiff side, meaning we represent the individuals that have been hurt. So that filled the void for me of really being able to give a voice to people that might not otherwise have it, um, proverbially so, obviously, right? I mean, the insurance companies are just... Uh, you know, they're insurance companies. So they don't really give anybody a voice except themselves. So very much a David and Goliath mentality. So when I graduated law school, um, I was really looking for that personal injury job. I had worked big law previously when I interned and did not want to go back there. Um, And luckily, I was able to hold out for that. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of promises were made that weren't kept at that law firm. And shortly after Christmas, I was let go and told I was a luxury that he couldn't afford. Didn't really know how to take that. Um, In any event, I, you know, put my head down again, started looking for another firm to be working at. And about February, I found a great place, very happenstance, you know, how things happen in your life. And you're like, that literally was the thing that set everything else in motion. Um, so I started working at this firm. The partner had been doing this for, uh, had two other associates, and he really taught us by letting us do. He didn't keep us under his thumb. Um, he pushed us in, you know, sink or swim type mentality, but he was always there to help us. And so I learned a lot in that next year and a half, which was very, very fortunate. Um, that following August, though, uh, my partner committed suicide. Um, he had been stealing from clients for eight years and it wasn't somebody, I mean, clearly nobody really sees that coming. Right. I mean, if I obviously had known, I wouldn't have been there, but he was somebody who would give you the shirt off of his back. And so it was even more, uh, difficult to reconcile this person that we thought we knew with what he had done and, you know, this exterior that he had put out to everybody else in the world. So 
from there, uh, the senior associate, myself, and one paralegal went off to try to salvage this firm. And it was a lot of work, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, even though there were two lawyers, you know, myself and the other um, other person, he was dealing with the fallout from the old firm and, quite frankly, mentally and physically checked out. And I get it. It was a lot um, that had been going on, but I very much felt alone in running everything at that point, even though he was the financial backing of it. Um, I was making a lot of the day-to-day calls and managing all the cases. And I was trying to handle people's emotions. I'm very much a caretaker. So I was being more of a sponge instead of a, you know, a pipe letting it go through. <laughs> so I finally had a point where I, it was my rock bottom. And that's, I say rock bottom in the very truest sense of the word in terms of an addiction to the status quo. And I don't use addiction flippantly. I genuinely believe we are so caught up in uh, being what others think we should be, what we think we should be, keeping up with the Joneses, um, that we do so much harm to ourselves and, quite frankly, often leads to other types of addictions. And so when I hit that rock bottom, I had to call my husband home from work. I was in a really dark place. Um, I'd always had anxiety and depression, um, but it was managed. Thank God I was going to therapy before everything happened with my former partner that committed suicide. And we, I was at a good place in terms of managing it, but I think anybody after that long with that much, with <laughs> the insanity of it, uh, might have probably been the same position as me. So yeah. it, uh, it, it really, it was a shifting, a shifting point for me. It was almost as if a, a switch had been flipped. Um, people say that, but it literally, uh, all of a sudden I was all right with setting boundaries I didn't care what other people thought. Um, I wasn't willing to push myself through the, you know, crazy hours. I'm willing to work hard for what I do, but I'm not going to do it at the detriment of myself. So, and I never had been able to do that before. I knew intuitively I should have, but it was so hard to let go of feeling like I wasn't enough or I wasn't doing enough. And ultimately what really happened was I had proven to myself over that time that I was capable and I was enough. And that's what really was the tipping point. So uh, a, a lot of it does come down to that self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I read a book that I'd found. I think my therapist had recommended it, but it's called Self-Esteem. And it's fascinating because it's written by two professors. Um, so it's a little bit science background, but it's not so much that it's overwhelming. Um, and I always thought of self-esteem as being like, I can't take criticism. You know, I'm sitting in the corner. I'm kind of a delicate flower. And that's not it at all. In fact, it's broken down. Some of the chapters talk about the idea of not being enough or, you know, the shoulds, right? I should be this or I shouldn't be that. And I had no idea that that had to do with self-esteem. And so that was really fascinating to learn that and realize that I, I had been dealing with that in the background. I didn't realize it, but that's what it was at the end of the day. Why are we so addicted to keeping up with these personas because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be alone. We, all these things, all the above. I mean, I genuinely think even if things are, are bad for us, you know, objectively, subjectively bad for us, it's still comfortable, right? We could be doing the same thing over and over again and know it's not good, but if it's comfortable, we're going to keep doing it. And it takes a lot of work and, uh, 
encourage, I think, to really self-reflect. And that's what this process takes. So my, my position is that you can't overcome addiction to the status quo. And to do that, you really have to start with yourself and looking inward because you're never going to get the external validation that you want, right? Um, and by looking inward, you're able to figure out who you are as an individual and figure out what your true identity and best version of yourself is. And the best version of yourself, and it's different for everybody, ultimately leads to true happiness. And when I say true happiness, I, I do mean living the best version of yourself. Um, yes, you know, a home matters. Yes, having access to transportation matters. I'm not downplaying that at all. Money does make things easier, but in and of itself, money doesn't make you happy. Um, you have to be happy with yourself before you can you can go out there and really live the best quality of life. Because at the end of the day, you're never going to be on your deathbed saying, wow, I wish I bought a bigger house or had a bigger car, you know, or a fancier car. You're going to wish you spent more time with your family and friends and um, what makes you you at the end of the day and the best version of you. So from the moment that uh, we're born, layers of stuff are starting to get piled on us. We're piling it on ourselves. Other people are piling it on us, society, and, and, and wherever else. Whoever has a layer to pile on us, they're, 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 they're doing that. So how do we start to unpile those? If that's, is that, is that a, yeah. is that a word, the, unpile? It is now. <laughs> yeah, now it is. For sure. um, really, t first step is acknowledging that you, you have a problem. I mean, really... Um, and it's not, it doesn't have to be diagnosed, right? It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, I have anxiety, I have depression, I've been formally, you know, talked to by a professional. It just has to be recognizing that you're not happy where you are and then be willing to take steps. Um, and it's not easy. I'm not going to say, I'm not what a Tony Robbins that says, here, here's a <laughs> prepackaged deal, go do all these things and it's magically going to work. Um, it's hard. It's a lot of work, but I definitely think it's worth it. And the overarching principles about what I've learned can be applied to everybody. Um, it just takes a lot of self-reflection and time spent with yourself, which is scary for a lot of people. It's, it's not fun to go and look at your shortcomings or how past experiences have shaped you. Um, because as much as we've had positive past experiences, we've all had negative past experiences, right? Um, and there's a reason that those have influenced us almost more to a degree than some of those positive ones. So it's not fun to go back and look, but I, it's crucial to really understanding who you are and what you want um, at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that, that, that when I went through a process maybe similar to this uh, over the last several years, I don't really look to the greatest things that I've ever done, and, and that's what really defines me. It was more a matter of the crap that I'm ashamed of sort yeah. of hanging over my head. Uh, and once I was able to go and, and sort of address that and actually look at it and talk about it and think about it, that's that's when I started to, I guess, heal. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of Brene Brown. Have you read her work? Sure. Yeah. So the idea of shame um, versus guilt you know, uh, and for those that don't know, shame is the idea of I am a bad person versus what I did is bad. And getting past that was a huge hurdle for me. Um, cause of course I made mistakes in the past and even though it didn't necessarily connect to other things that happened to me in life, I still 
almost felt like I deserve certain things because of decisions I've made. And that's absurd, right? That's just, we might, again, know it, but to actually act on it and believe that you are enough um, and that you do deserve better is really a hard a hard thing to process and embrace until you get past that that point um, of beating yourself up at the end of the day. It's I find it to be fascinating that that I and it sounds like you're the same way when whenever I say just rewind 10 years if somebody said uh, I deserve this I'd be like you don't deserve anything at all. You don't deserve just cuz you're a human being walking the face of the earth doesn't mean you deserve that. But you know, going through this work, I think that if we are able to get down to the core person that, that we really are, that we were born to, 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 to have the existence that we're going to have on the earth, that I really do deserve to have the things that, that, that I want and I do deserve to have a happy life. So it's, it's sort of a big, for me, it was a big like 360 degree turn. And you, I, I, there's a question in here somewhere, but you reference different principles. So is, is what, and we talked about looking at some of that shame. What are some of these other exercises or things that I need to be doing in order to get to where I want to go? Yeah. So first of all, like I said, sitting with your own story is the biggest thing. Um, identifying the issues that you have uh, brought with you, your baggage. Everybody has baggage, right? Your baggage and identifying that and working if needed with a professional um, to kind of dissect that and why do you do that? Why? What's the deeper root of it? Um, and have you brought that with you? And has that shaped your perspective? If you need external validation, that's always been a huge thing for me. Um, you're going to make certain decisions and take certain actions that aren't necessarily bad, you know, subjectively bad. It's just you're going to do certain things to compensate for that. Um, in mine, in my case, I'm an only child. Um, I grew up around adults. I always had the respect of adults. Um, and so when I finally got to the point where that wasn't happening just because people are people and people suck sometimes, um, and people aren't going to pat you, you know, on the back and say, good job for everything. Like that's just life. Um, it was hard to process that, uh, consciously and subconsciously. And then, so I was constantly feeling like I, I wanted that external validation instead of finding it within myself. And so after everything happened, that's what I finally realized is I had proven to myself that I was enough. So really finding out what your hang up is, what what do you need that you're not getting or what are you doing that you don't need to be doing? And then consciously commit to changing it. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to take repetitive actions. You know, you have to constantly remind yourself. Uh, not to do certain things or to do certain things. I mean, as much as I've been on this path and as long as I've done self-work and in therapy, I still have to remind myself not to go down the I should be this or I'm not doing enough um, path. And it's it's constant work. There's no finish line. Um, I suppose when you finally pass on from this life, that's your finish line. Um, but in terms of actually checking off a box, as much as I love a good box check, it's not that way, unfortunately. So really uh, sitting with it and constantly working on it, reminding yourself that's a process, not not a destination. And that's a huge thing for it too, is just to is to recognize when I have thoughts or, or emotions and and then uh, and perhaps identifying the triggers of those or when I'm engaging in behaviors, just starting to be more aware. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's hard 
too, especially if you haven't done it, right? I mean, you, you start to believe what you think is true. And I think a lot of people have an internal voice um, that sometimes it's maybe somebody else in their life. Sometimes it's themselves. And I think almost, well, it just depends. Whoever it is, you believe it because you're hearing it. You're telling yourself this the entire time. Yeah. Um, and so really stopping and saying, just because I'm thinking this doesn't mean it's true. Um, and it's, it's a tough concept uh, to stop that. I think most, most notably if it's your own voice, and maybe that's just because my perspective, that, that's the way it is for me. Um, but it's, and when you have certain emotions like shame, it's, it's not necessarily real. There's, there is no scientific, you know, objective evidence to necessarily support it all the time. And so that's one of the things that I do a lot too, is I say, is there ev any evidence to support this, this feeling, this belief, this idea? No. Okay. Well then if there is down the road, you know, revisit it. But right now there's nothing to support that it's actually happening the way I perceive it to be. Um, and one of the things it's, uh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I think the Dalai Lama had said at one point, he's like, if there's something to worry about, um, you'll actually be able to do something about it. Right. And then if there's not worrying, it's not going to do anything. So it's, it's really identifying what you're capable of doing or not capable of doing based on the reality of what's happening and not just what you're perceiving it to be. I think it's so important. Is there any evidence to support this feeling? Such an attorney thing to say, Kevin. Right. <laughs> I think it's so valuable. I think it's just, let's take a big step back. I recognize the way that I feel. Step into that feeling. Really, just let it wash over you. But then take, a, take, take another step and say, okay, is there any real evidence here that yeah. what I'm ripping myself apart over or wringing my hands over is actually happening? So. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because, I mean, I think we don't separate. I think a lot of people don't sit with these ideas, right? We're in such a fast-paced society. Um, we have tons of things coming at us through social media, through the TV now. Um, I sound like an old fogey, right? Uh, I do remember not having the internet back in the day. So, <laughs> um, but I just don't think people sit with that because it's uncomfortable. And um, I, I'd be absolutely lying to everyone if I said that, you know, this journey is easy or it's always going to be positive and that, you know, true happiness means you're ecstatic all the time. That's not what that is. Um, true happiness, as I define it, is, like I said, living the best version of yourself. And you really do have to have the good and the bad to be able to appreciate life, I feel like. But your bad doesn't have to be suffering. It doesn't have to be um, beating yourself up for something that happened 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's, it's really embracing all of who you are and being content with your world. And to get to that point, you have to deal with all, all the other stuff that comes along with it, um, which is the positive and the negative. Love it. Well, Catherine, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, be willing to have the courage uh, to look at your mental health. That's that's my difference making tip. It'll set you on a path that can make a drastic difference for your entire life and existence. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Have the courage to be able to do that and just recognize that it's so much more we 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 all go through it and there's Absolutely. nothing no, nothing wrong at all. In fact, it's the healthiest thing in the world to be able to do that. So, I love it. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Where can they get a copy of Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo? 
So you can go to Amazon for my book, uh, and also you can go to my website for other information, Catherine F. Burmeister, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, F as in Frank, B as in boy, U-R, M as in Mike, E-I-S-T-E-R.com. I've had to spell it a few times, so uh, maybe I should just shorten it to like the most basic version, but just so you get it correctly, that's where it is. There aren't a lot of Burmeisters running around. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Catherine your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Overcoming Addiction, Overcoming Addiction to the Status Quo at Amazon and check out her website at katherinefburmeister.com. I'll list that in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Catherine. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show.